Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Monday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon, Ken Miller, we are with you until noon talking sports with you. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list for this Monday, Scott Docterman from The Athletic. Uh, published his mailbag. Boy, a lot of questions in Doc's mailbag. This one didn't need to solicit a lot of requests. If you have a question, you know, does that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? I have a feeling this one filled up pretty quickly. Scott Dockerman will join us at 1025. Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Chiefs in his weekly spot, at least for... Will this be the... You know, we still got two weeks, right? It's two weeks from Thursday. So we'll have Mitch a couple more weeks mm-hmm. daily before we get to the weekly schedule. The Chiefs had 2,000 fans watching practice at Arrowhead Stadium uh, over the weekend. So we'll uh, pick Mitch's brain on that, amongst other things. He'll join us at 1050. Papa John's uh, in uh, Des Moines makes that possible. Uh, Scott Miller from Bleacher Report. He's their national baseball writer. He will join us at 1120. He's based in San Diego. He does a lot of... Uh, NL West, AL West, but he's really uh, locked in when it comes to baseball. Scott Miller at 11.20, and then Pete Mundo from Heartland College Sports. We will do the Big 12 uh, with Pete Mundo. Uh, Max Dugan, that story, um, mm-hmm. I mean, good that he's they obviously found it. Yeah. Because uh, that could have been down the road, or who knows at what time that thing would have uh, flared up. Uh, but uh, by the sounds of things, he's undergone the procedure that he needs to and plans on being back on the football field. I guess one of the few positive things that COVID yeah. has brought about, because right. without that test, we wouldn't have known about that. You know, I brought that up last week. I remember who we were talking to. Maybe it was Bill Bender. I, I think that's who it was. And just asking, you know, he hasn't been practicing. And. They don't have a whole lot of depth Yeesh. in that quarterback room. It's yeah, a walk on this. De- they've backup. got a decent long shot chance, right? Yeah. yeah. We talked about kind of those middling long right. shots after Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Texas, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. If you're looking in that range with, and even throw Iowa State out, sure. that next group, yeah. they're probably the one that I would at least take a look I at. Would I too. Baylor, new staff. Mm hmm. I like Charlie Brewer. Mm-hmm. What's Charlie well, Brewer going to play? That's just it. Right. And how long is he going to play? Because yeah. concussions have been, sadly, a part of his uh, college experience. So, yeah, I'm, and I would say it absolutely belongs on that next. They're in that top tier. salty. Yeah. I agree. Oklahoma's their own tier. Uh, you don't want to put Texas no. on? It's not their year? Come on. It might be, but come on. Yeah. They, I, I got Oklahoma deserves the benefit of the doubt that's because true. of consistency. Yeah. They're 
alone. I like the quarterback's name, Rattler. Yeah, Spencer Rattler. Um, Yeah, that's fair. Probably Oklahoma deserves that. Uh, And then Texas, and then there's Oklahoma State. Iowa State's got a quarterback. Mm -hmm. they got a running game. they got tight ends. I think they got receivers. Do they have an offensive line? line. (laughs) Uh, And the defense is salty. Anyways, um, so we'll talk to Pete Mundo on the Big 12. I look forward to doing that. There's a whole lot of sports to recap. I think we're getting some clarity on how Kevin Warren handled all of this. Uh, is it Sam McCowan or McKeon yes. McCowan uh, at Omaha.com, the Omaha World Herald? He really wrote, good piece. It's a really good piece, mm-hmm. an eye-opening piece. Um, the athletic directors, yep, they were meeting with the commissioner, but the commissioner was listening to about people above their pay grade. Yeah. They, they and who was it, Trent? Who, which of the presidents had his ear? Which of the presidents? Because it doesn't sound like all the presidents wanted to cancel. Right, yeah. It, it certainly that wasn't the case in Nebraska and Iowa. No, we, we know, know that. those are two presidents right. that were very much about playing yep. football this year. Was there a name? No, there wasn't. But somebody has to have enough power that they could get. Look, Kevin Warden didn't go rogue. <laughs> right, right. He, the athletic directors were not on the same call with the medical people. The athletic directors were not on the same call with the heads of the universities, albeit chancellors or presidents, whatever they called them, uh, in that office. The the Chancellors and presidents weren't on the call with the athletic directors or with the medical people. These were all separate calls before the decision was made. Who of those presidents wields the power that ultimately uh, his voice was the one that was heard? So it was regurgitated by Warren. You know, I've been pretty optimistic in a lot of these things as they've been coming back, um, just in general. Now, I thought things were going to happen earlier. We'll go back to our Major League Baseball mm-hmm. conversations in, in April and May, and I thought eh, by the end of June, you, you kept pointing to that 4th of July weekend, and I was optimistic that was going to happen. I've been optimistic on the college sports side, and I still believe that the Big 12, ACC, and SEC are going to play mm-hmm. and are going to pull this off successfully. Not that every game is going to go on. There's going to be cancellations, yep. but I believe it is going to happen. But as it pertains to the Big Ten, this winter sports season, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't see that happening. And with it, I still have major concerns that they're going to play college basketball. And, of course, yeah. the biggest concern for Hawkeye fans is that men's team because mm-hmm. of the expectations coming into the year. Where do you sit on the basketball and the winter football side of things? Do you do you see that being... I think they're going to try in both counts. You, you think they're going to try Absolutely. That. So what's going to change? And that's the part well, that Well, for basketball, I think it's going to be... The Big East is moving towards a bubble Mm -hmm. in the Big East. Remember, and as as the story pointed out that I read, you know, you go back six, eight weeks, whatever it was, well, if there's no kids on campus, there's no football. Mm -hmm. Well, we can play football if the kids aren't on campus. It's actually better for them. They'll be safer. We can't ask these kids to go into a bubble. They're amateurs. We can make it work if we put those kids into a bubble. It's only going to be for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. So... Look, it's the almighty dollar that's dictating where this is going to go. They're going to try. I mean, look what, when you broke this, well, you didn't broke this, you broke it here. I did, yes. I had it first into You had a really good source that when you came into work on Friday morning, don't ask me who because I won't tell you, but I've been told, and then you said you laid it out, you don't know what sports they were, but there's going to be sports canceled as early as today if not today, at some point early next week. Well, as turned out, it was today, and it turns out whoever that source is, as I said at the end of the show, remember that for <laughs> next time he, he reaches, he or she, I don't yeah, know, yeah. reaches out to you. So um, it's the trickle down, Trent, and they they have to at least give this the uh, a try. Now, there was a reporter 
making her way through Iowa City. Was it Gazette or Register or um, at the bars in Iowa City? I saw the picture. Have you seen the pictures? Yeah, out in front of Airliner. There's a bunch of them. I spent a lot of time in front of that bar. <laughs> she she made her she made her rounds to a number of the bars, and. <laughs> like a number of college campuses, Trent. Every college campus. Every single one of them, yes. right? Um, there, there's outbreaks happening at Notre Dame. You would think yeah. a small private institution like that, if there was ever a time, but even if you get 80, 90, 95% of the student population that is going to, quote-unquote, do the right thing, do what is asked of them, there's always going to be right. the people that are going to go rogue. And when you're talking about a community that big, that's going to happen for every person that says, you know what? I'm concerned about my parents. Uh, dad has an underlying condition. Grandma and grandpa, whatever it is, there's going to be those people that look at themselves as invincible. Yeah. That's, that's the, I was that person. Absolutely. That's the age bracket. It is unvin- yeah. invincible. Um, 18 to 22, it was a different time, a completely different yeah. time, at least for me. And I think a lot of people fall into that range. This is going to happen. This is what we're going to have to live with. And now... It's a continued moving target, and we just have to be ready to be able to be able to adjust along with it. And I think we're going to see that. I'm hopeful we're going to still see that with the three conferences still playing. Well, Trent, I spent some time uh, between games yesterday uh, looking at the college football schedule and trying to map out my Saturdays. On, uh, <laughs> You're already working on yeah, that. Yeah, look, at, I'm I'm. I can't wait, and, and fingers crossed we're going we're gonna to get there. Anyways, uh, so we'll, we'll talk to Scott Dockerman about Kevin Warren, uh, about McCowan's piece, about some of uh, his mailbag, et cetera, et cetera, get his take on all of this. I look forward to doing that. Luka Doncic, uh, if, if you didn't know who he was, was and I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating if you're listening to KXNO and our show, you're pretty aware that Luka Doncic is – Trent, that was unbelievable. Was. Here, I'll, I'll just Bob Ryan. You know, I guess this is a guy I wish we could have on the show. Yeah, uh, he's so knowledgeable. This is, he was the only reporter covering the Dream Team from start to finish. Let me get his tweet uh, from over the weekend, from yesterday. Um, mentions, and I'm paraphrasing. I've watched the best players in the NBA over the last sixty years, which is true, no doubt. Luka Doncic takes my breath away is what Bob Ryan tweeted. And this guy is an encyclopedia when it comes to the NBA and when it comes to basketball. Wouldn't you agree? There's no doubt. He 60 Celtics he covered. He knows the game as well as anybody. He covers the game in that old school way. And he's seen everybody, going mm-hmm. back to Bill Russell and all yeah. the way to today. Watching that performance yesterday, uh. I watched a lot of it, a lot more than I certainly anticipated coming in. It's a series that I think excited me the most coming into it. Now, we haven't seen a whole lot of Perzingis. He had the yeah. ejection. He had what's happened with him being banged up. Mm-hmm. But I've never watched Luka Doncic at this level. I've watched pieces. I've watched a half quarter here, you know, a quarter there. But that's about it. But watching him now during these playoff series for as much as I have, breathtaking is a perfect, mm. perfect word Did for it. Did you see him on one leg hopping from the court back to the locker room on when did they this when he turned his ankle Friday night Friday night yeah, yeah. And, and he didn't he didn't put any weight on it he hopped the entire way didn't have anybody carrying him off he just hopped on one leg and there's no way he's going to be able to play and Trent I turned it on early he was playing they were down they were getting blown out yeah it was 15 at one point I oh think. it was more than that it was, was in it? The, it was in the 20s when I was watching wow. it so I went back to the Cubs and the White Sox and by the way I backed the, I backed the right team in Chicago as far as who I thought the best team in Chicago was going to be the answer is the White Sox we'll get into them later on uh, the Cubs did find a way to salvage a mm-hmm. game from that series but boy this White Sox team 
If I'm a Twins fan and yeah. I know you are, that's the team that I would still be the most concerned I with. I think so. I mean, Cleveland, Minnesota, the they got a three game set coming up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, starting Starts tonight, tonight. Yeah, at yes. six ten, so that'll be appointment TV. But I think this White Sox team, the way they hit the baseball, and you've said it the entire time, defensively, yeah. and there was a, there was a defensive <laughs> lapse in that game. But Cease, of all people, worked his way out of it. Trent, he was really good yesterday. He was. He was really good. As yesterday. good as I've maybe ever seen him. And Giolito didn't pitch in the series. Uh, the prior, prior to the Cubs, I think they were in Detroit. He struck out nine. Dallas Keuchel's Dallas Keuchel. Um, Boy, this this he's been better than I thought too. No, he's good. I I thought not just was he on the downside. He was, eh, maybe you plug him in as a best case scenario three, three or probably probably a four. Mm -hmm. He's still better than that. Yep, he is. He's been really really good for them. Cease has the stuff. I mean, the the guy pumps it up there consistently. Ninety eight. Oh, for sure. Uh, The arm is there, but is it the Kyle Farnsworth just Uh, piss straight and (laughs) there's no movement to it? Well, there There was was movement yesterday. Yes, there was. It was as well as I've seen him pitch, Trent. How concerned are you with this Cubs offense? You have to be. I mean, it's anemic. We came in last Monday, and all right, rough weekend against mm-hmm. the Brewers. Eh, but boy, another week into this, we're talking going on two weeks where this offense has been terrible. pathetic, absolutely terrible. Yeah. The good news and is it's the biggest names. They're seventeen and ten. They're fine. They're yeah. They're going to get in but for sure. Does for this sure. team this team going to make a run with an offense that has struggled, a bullpen though better than I think we thought coming mm-hmm. into the year? Still has holes in it. Kimbrell yesterday, Trent. Eight, they came in and pitched the eighth inning. Yes, he did. Struck out the first two guys. Mm-hmm. And they started Roll walking on. everybody. He walked the next two, and, and David Ross comes and yanks him out of the And game. it wasn't like he was just barely missing either. I, no. there, there were some of those Breaking pitches Breaking balls, that just, just come on. Yeah. It, it wasn't working for him yesterday. I hate when you get ahead 0-2 and you start trying to nibble. nibble. Yeah. Just take him. Take him out. Blast you Darvish is that way. Boy, Darvish was good yesterday. Yes, he He's was. the ace of that staff, no doubt about it. He's so, your game one starter. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I don't know what the Cubs are going to do. I don't know if there's a move that they can make. Uh, Albert Almora is reduced to a def- defensive replacement in the ninth inning. Chris Bryant's back on the IL. Uh, Javier Baez can't hit his way, can't hit a lick, although he seemed maybe, we'll see, mm-hmm. uh, maybe came around a little bit. Uh, that's Obviously, uh, Cubs fans are hoping that that's the start of something. Your best player's been Ian Happ. Best player's been Ian Happ. David Bodie yesterday, boy, didn't it just seem that when that foul ball, two outs, yeah. um, I can't remember who was at the plate, but he fouled a ball off, and it was in fair territory. It was close. Mm-hmm. So Bodie goes over to the Cubs dugout. He's getting help from his teammates. I'm assuming they're talking to him. Um, and he tripped. <laughs> he tripped. I think his foot hit the little cement there that uh, there's a little overhang, if you will. If that's what you call it. Um, but he wasn't able to make the play, and you gave the guy in the batter's box new life. I thought, well, I've seen this movie before. Yeah, when Moncada was coming up with Tuan, uh-huh. it felt like it here was comes... Moncada, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it felt yeah. like here comes a gapper. Yep. And it's going to be White Sox taking the lead, mm-hmm. and, and the frustrations were going to continue. It wasn't a must win, but another one of those moments. Well, those yeah, moments you need where, to salvage one yeah, of the series. You, you had to stop the bleeding in some fashion. But this White Sox team, what they did at Leicester Friday night. Yeah. Uh, I was golfing with a couple of White Sox fans <laughs> with right. Sean and Emery, and Emery pull out the phone, and he'd get the home run call, and he was uh, he was incredibly <laughs> excited about it. Which of the two is more passionate? Oh, it's Sean. Is it? Yeah, it's Sean in a big way. Yeah. I mean, he grew up in right, it. Right, he, right, right. He grew right, up surrounded right. by the Cubs fans and had to deal with that in a yeah. day-in, day-out basis. Uh, I found, uh, I'm sure you probably saw this, I think it was on Twitter, 
the starting lineups for the first game. I did see that, yeah. That was a fun blast that from was. the past. And then 98, was it? 97, 97? In that area. Yeah. And uh, a fun going down memory yeah. lane with some of those players. And you got Ozzie Guillen batting second mm. for the White Sox and on and on and on. It, it was cool looking back upon that, which is you know incredible to think about. It, it's been such, interleague play has been such a big part of our baseball lives mm-hmm. now for a quarter of a century. Yeah. But. So is the wild card. Thinking back that these teams never played in yeah. the old timers. Are there people out there that still hate interleague play? No. I mean, they got to be so you? few. Right, how can you? I mean, right. that's the hill you pick to die on. I mean, sooner or later, you got to, you know, just to take your medicine and walk. It's not changing. It's not going anywhere. Right, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. Does it diminish the World Series? Yeah, it does. Does it diminish the All-Star Game? Okay. I mean, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. that was cool because the American League and the National League, you'd see them at the All-Star Game, and then you'd see them in the, in the World Series. So there was always that aspect of stuff. But no, it's, it's great. Yeah. We get a good matchup; it doesn't uh-huh. matter. And if we get Yankees Dodgers in the World Series this year, and well, of course not this season, but in a different season, if they played in the regular season, it's not going to taint it for me. No, absolutely not. It's not going to. You know what it's going to do? It's going to give you something to talk about. Well, when these two teams if got we get, together in July, the uh, if we get Twins White Sox, uh, Twins Cubs, or we get Cubs White Sox in the World Series, is it going to be tainted? No, because they happen to play during the regular season. Hell no! Oh, how nuts would that be? Oh, it would be. It'd oh. Be off the charts. Um, anyways, yeah, it was a fun weekend of sports. Hockey was good. I didn't see a lick of golf. Dustin Johnson Watched ran away a little bit. Friday, as we were going off the air, yeah, it was Scheffler was trending towards his fifty nine, which he ultimately got. And then the start of Dustin Johnson it was, on Friday it was unbelievable. He's six under through four, right? Two eagles, two birdies, and went out and shot a sixty that day. But it just cleared. Yeah, he the fell field. apart. Trent shot sixty. So I flipped it on just for a moment yesterday, and as I did. There's a caddy mm. laying in the middle of the fairway. I heard about this. Tell me what happened. Scotty Scheffler and they're cutting his caddy. to it. His caddy is just laying there. He's got his bib on. And mm. so I see the back. Couldn't really hear what they were saying, how they were describing it. And so get on Twitter, he just had a cramped up calf. That's all it was. Oh. But they had to bring out the stretcher. They had EMTs there. It was a big deal. And I didn't even stay long enough with it to see who uh, the guy was that took over, but apparently it was one of the tour pros or the PGA pros that work at that course that then took over. Oh, as grabbed his, his bag. Okay. That was kind of the biggest yeah. thing I wondered. Does Sheffield have to carry his own bag now? Mm. Does he have to go that direction? Or, and this is what happened, you know what? he's brought somebody out of the clubhouse and I, here's your cat. I don't think I've ever seen it before. I no, wouldn't have been no, able to help you. No, not at all. I uh, watched uh, very little of the Indy 500. Here's my thing on the Indy 500, and, I, and I'm not a, a car race guy. Don't you have to find a way to 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 ultimately finish the biggest race of the season under green? Yeah, let, let him settle sort it out on the track. Well, it's not the Indy five hundred and two and a half. It's but, the but Indy five hundred. But, but when you get to that point, shouldn't you have a, you know there be a little tiebreaker uh, overtime thing? Yeah, I, you I finish would, yeah. under caution. The guys line up and they go slow for a couple more laps. And ultimately, there's no drama whatsoever at the end of a race? No, I'm with you there. Now, neither of us are big race heads, and right. maybe people could, could tell us why we're wrong on it. But for, yeah, just the every day, I, I flip on the Indy 500 Memorial Day weekend every year. I tell you, that's what my grandpa always told me. That's when you wax your car for the year. <laughs> and uh, so right? you go out, you listen to the race on the radio, yeah. and you come in and watch the last 50 races inside. So it's something that you know, I just kind of took with me, but 
so, obviously didn't so happen what's this year. The, what's the reasoning that you can't, can't add an extra couple of laps? Is it because I'm just spitballing here? I have no idea. You're all running the same race. Somebody pits earlier because they're or thinking they're only going 500. Is your, is your teammate far back and well yeah. beaten and your guy's in second place? Do you, do you purposely I don't know. Yeah. To add a couple of laps. I mean, I, I just finish under caution. Talk about no drama whatsoever. And it was so weird when I did flip it on a couple of times. With no a, fans? Not going to ABC to see it. That's right. I went there. The, uh, great point, Trent. Because that's yep. been a part of my life. Ever. Yeah. That goes back to NBC what the 60s? Oh, I. Well, Maybe even, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's when they had started getting the rights was back in the 60s and, and watching it on NBC and just the graphics being mm-hmm. different for the Indy 500. That's it's a part of my growing up, you know, mm-hmm. my childhood that has also changed here. But then when they had those shots and you see the huge, huge amount of stands there yeah. and nobody in them. When you went to Indianapolis, you've driven to Indianapolis yeah. a number of times, right? The one time, I'm positive. It was really dark outside. Somehow, I went on the backside of the track. There's oh, a road. really? Yes. I've never been, at least that I, when we've been to Indianapolis, I've never remembered driving by the track. I headed downtown Indy. You know, I don't know if my um, GPS might have taken, or I might have taken yeah. a bad turn or wrong turn, but I was right outside the track headed to downtown, I don't know, here or there. Anyways, uh, but yeah, just you figure something out. That's a horrible way to end the biggest race of your season, doing so under caution. Come on. Yeah, I'm right there with you, but there's probably something that we're I missing. guess yeah. I guess so. Uh, the NHL was uh, was good. You have to fill um, me in. Didn't watch. Yeah. Uh, didn't watch a minute on the ice this weekend. Really? Oh, no. this Boston Tampa series is going to be a classic. I think the one that starts tonight, Islanders Philly's got a chance to be nasty. Uh-huh. Two teams in the same division. The uh, Las Vegas is just it's a procession to the uh, to the Western Conference Final against I think Colorado. The Colorado got beat, which surprised me because they looked unbeatable. Uh, early yeah, in how about series. Dallas now? What they I'm did surprise and now up to a one nothing lead. Yeah. I'll be I'll be dipping in a little bit more. And do we get another full day of NBA? That's yes, we do today. I'm pretty sure. Just going to continue starting at twelve thirty, I think, or twelve. Yeah, twelve thirty. There yeah. it is. Bucks Magic to get things going there. Afternoon Rockets Thunder at three o'clock. Five thirty Pacers Heat and the nightcap. Back to the Lakers and Blazers. Who uh, Lakers flexing their muscle? Just a I little think bit they now. are. Yeah, I'm wrong. I was wrong on the Portland thing. It was uh, cheap speed. You know, got off on the right foot, and then. Well, uh, if you had a game one, you're in good shape. Absolutely, took that money line. Scott Dockerman will join us next. Do you have the keywords? I don't. Somebody swung with run off with the keywords. Oh no, um, I do not hear, and I don't see him. So we'll do that when we get back. Hmm. Okay. I should have probably looked before the show started. I don't have the keywords. I apologize. Be listening for that. Hopefully we'll find them during this five-minute timeout. Uh, We've got Scott Dockerman coming up, Mitch Holtis on the Kansas City Chiefs at 10.50, Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.60 Surface Cleaner. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. KXNO and iHeart would like to help you with your bills. Text the keyword HOPE to 200-200. Right now, that's your chance to win $1,000. That's HOPE 
to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right. Hope is this hour's key word. Scott Dockerman joins the program as we go inside the Hawks in the Big Ten. Uh, Doc, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Scott Dockerman. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Doing fine, Doc. You know what I want to get into is, um, and maybe you don't know the answer to this. When Kevin Warren was hired, who was the committee that hired him? Was there an athletic director on the committee? Were these presidents? Who ultimately was gave the thumbs up to Kevin Warren is going to be the conference's next commission? I'm sure Delaney, or maybe not, uh, had a say in his successor. Who was in the room, Doc? Do you know? Threw me for a loop here. I, I guess I know that the president ultimately had to decide on his fate. Uh, I know that there were a few people internally uh, at the Big Ten office, but I'm not sure. I, I imagine one of the, uh, I want to say one of the, the search committee members was Morton Shapiro with the North with Northwestern, the president there. But I'm not. I can't recall everybody who was on that committee. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I'm just curious because, you know, I'm sure you saw Sam McEwen, McCowan's uh, Omaha.com's piece, uh, Adam Rittenberg. You guys at the Athletic been all over trying to decipher what went on, and you know, there's so many. There's there's so much. I think probably disinformation or some rumors out there. Some may be true. We don't know. Uh, just trying to get to the bottom of ultimately how all of this came down. And it sounds like the athletic directors were unanimous. They all wanted to play. Uh, the medical people didn't talk to the athletic directors. They maybe didn't talk to the presidents. The, there, there, I guess there was... Uh, there were three different groups that Kevin Warren was talking to, and ultimately he had whose ear? I mean, who's, uh, which of the presidents do you think had the most clout uh, that came forward and said, no, this isn't a good idea, and Kevin, this is the message I want you to relay. Because we know it wasn't an athletic director. Um, Doc, I, I just, I, we just need more clarity. What, what have you been able to find out? <laughs> oh, I think I've been able to find out a lot. Uh, it's really, it's, it's a confusing situation, and it's just been, you know, for their lack of transparency, it's, it's made it more difficult to try to decipher who who did what, when, and where, um, you know, that what is the truth is that there were, they operated in silos, and that never works well, especially on a decision this big, where you have the coaches are clearly on one side, and the athletic directors are aligned with the coaches, and then on the other side you have the presidents who are responsible for more than just the sports aspect of things. Um, and Kevin Warren is supposed, he's supposed to represent everybody, and you know, kind of think of him almost as Roger Goodell, mm-hmm. that he's supposed to, in, in, you know, and in this case, it's like he's representing the owners, but not necessarily the, the players. And this is that's the, the president to the chancellors. Uh, we don't know which one said, yes, we should play, and which one said, no, they should not play. Well, I feel pretty secure in saying, and I do know that Iowa, Iowa President Bruce Harold wanted to play, and it sounds like Nebraska President no. or Chancellor, I'm sorry, Ronnie Green said he wanted to play. The rest, I mean, some have medical backgrounds. What was discussed? How was it? How did they come to that conclusion? Was there a vote? What was the vote? I mean, all those questions, they're just not letting out. And I think it's it's adding to more confusion, frustration, and anger and resentment. And that's where we've never seen the Big Ten at this level before. The only other issue that was comparable to this was that tiebreaker back in 1973 between Ohio State and Michigan. That was clearly a football decision. 
Yeah, they made a documentary about that one, and certainly one of the most famous. You know, it's crazy, Doc, as you go through this, and Kevin Warren, he's known right now as the guy that canceled football, and it's going to be incredibly difficult for him to recover from that, at least in, in public sentiment. What about the athletic directors? It sounds like a whole lot of frustration in those AD offices that they didn't have the say that they thought they were going to say. Who ultimately could remove Kevin Warren as commissioner if it would come to that? His uh, board of directors. They're the ones who could decide his fate. Um, you know, I don't know, considering they really just hired him uh, a year ago. He just started 11 months ago and, and became the, the, the guy, you know, eight and a half months ago. So I don't know that they would, you know, do, especially if they came to a consensus, I don't think they would remove him right now. But I think there's an incredible amount of frustration that, you know, I hate to keep bringing up Jim Delaney or something, but it never would have gotten to this point with Jim Delaney. I mean, you know, and it's an incredibly difficult situation that Jim could have predicted, obviously, when he got in. But, you know, he was a consensus builder. He had, even when he had the ability to, he knew that he, the room wasn't in agreement. He could nudge people in certain directions and build that kind of consensus and come to the conclusion that needed to, to happen. And that's just not the case here. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not purely speculating here which is what most people do in this situation. But it, had Jim Delaney still been in charge, I don't think that they canceled the season out right there because there was just too much uncertainty. I think maybe he would have thought that was the ultimate conclusion. I think he probably would have pushed back the season, worked on whether it's the university presidents or the ADs to show why it wasn't the case, and then they completely transparent as the, to the cancellation after the fact. None of that happened here with Kevin Warren. I, I, and he comes across as Roger Goodell to me. And mm-hmm. Roger Goodell has kind of been all authoritative and really provided no answers over the years. And you just can't do that in college athletics. This is not the pros. And I think Kevin Warren, his reputation is taking a hit, and he'll never recover from that. Yeah. He might be able to do a million things, but, uh, but as Trent mentioned, He's the man who canceled football. Yeah, you're right. You're both right when it comes to that. Uh, Doc, and this was part of your mailbag as well, and it was uh, the mailbag was full this week, and I'm assuming you didn't have to you know, uh, solicit too many times for questions, especially this week, right? Uh, th- yeah. The question that, that caught my attention, because we heard about it you know, pr- pr- leading up, is there a chance they can play? Well, hold on a second. These five schools want to play. If they can get one more, can these six schools really go rogue and play this fall, and what does that do to their standing in the conference doc how close did that get were you were you able to figure that out did you get any clarity on was that a legit rumor that was out there that there were going to be some schools maybe not break away from the conference but break away from the thought that they're going to play in the winter slash spring and they're going to cobble together a six-team league this fall was there anything to that no <laughs> I'm aware of. I mean, you know, I, I went through enough people, and, and there was just nothing that told me this was legitimate. There may have been somebody from uh, an administrator from one school who might have floated that idea, maybe even threw it out there to, as a trial balloon, and went to a uh, to a person that's had that's thrown out some conspiracy theories in the past, and just to see where it happened. But there was really nothing to it, and it took off like wildfire. I mean, I had people on Twitter saying, aren't you going to comment about this proposal? I'm like, I can't verify that it's true, and I'm not going to. And so there was no truth to that because how are you, you know, what are the other schools going to do? If there are six schools playing in the fall, the other eight either have to play 
or not play. And it, it just this is classified as a postponement. I know that there was, you know, there were Nebraska and and Ohio State were looking to play no matter what, uh, and they couldn't get very far because of the league situation. So that's that's the truth there. That is true. But beyond that, I, there might have been speculation that turned into some sort of rumor, but there was really no truth in what what was thrown out there. We've heard about the bubble concept for football, going to these dome stadiums, basketball continues to be a completely different conversation, what they're going to do, non-conference games, is a conference only, is a bubble concept going to work on that front? So much out there. What are you hearing when we're actually going to see these Big Ten and these Iowa athletes play? What's your anticipation of what this is going to look like if it is going to happen at all? Are you talking basketball or football? Either, both. Oh, either? Okay. Uh, there are some ideas that have been discussed regarding football, but um, you know, part of the problem with the league office right now is there's no real plan, and until they uh, until they unveil one, <laughs> you know, we're all going to be speculating. I know, you know, Ryan Day has been really emphatic about playing in the winter. Yep. Um, Jeff Rom has pushed it back a little bit to spring. If I was to say what I think will end up happening with football is sometime in either December or very early January is when they'll start conducting their training camp, and it makes sense. Because the remaining students will be off campus, they can they can have like a true workout at that point uh, for several weeks. I think that's probably the case that'll happen. How long does it last? I, that's hard to say. You know, is it gonna? If it, I think they need to do whatever they do. They need to make sure they have the full 2021 season in mind because that's is, that's important too. Um, as far as basketball goes, you know, uh, Fran McCaffrey a couple weeks ago started talking about bowls, and, and I think there's that's probably more, as legitimate as anything because you can, you know, for teams that have, you know, 13 scholarship players and a couple of walk-ons, and, you know, you could do some good things in a market. I, I threw out Des Moines previously, and I think there are several ones that could have something like that. Beyond January 1st, home and home and stuff at the Big Ten, I don't really know. Uh, that, you know, everything's so uncertain, it's hard to predict. But I do believe, I think basketball will be easier to pull off than football, but uh, they have to have football. I mean, we just saw it last week, what happened on Friday with Iowa for sports. Yeah. It's going to be, I mean, this is a bloodletting that will never let up, and if you don't have football, it's going to be hard to have an athletic department in four years. Indeed. Doc, I, I know that there's still some uh, some people out there holding out that uh, somehow legal minds are going to get involved. And I go over to Nebraska that apparently there's a deadline of noon for Nebraska parents who have hired an attorney by the name of Mike Flood that if he doesn't get the transcripts, the audio of the calls, uh, that he's going to file a federal lawsuit and hope for an injunction uh, allowing the kids to get back on the field. I think this is probably, well, this look, it's a Hail Mary for sure, uh, but this is the last, I would think, a uh, bastion of hope to, as far as uh, changing of, uh, of of the minds uh, in the Big Ten offices is is that somehow le- uh, lawyers are going to get involved and save this at the last minute. What do you know about this situation in Nebraska, if anything, Doc, about this Mike Flood guy that is going to file a lawsuit, a federal lawsuit, on behalf of the Nebraska parents if he doesn't get clarity by noon, and here we are 20 minutes before the hour of 11, and he's got nothing to this point. The Big Ten will, will go to court. Uh, they're not going to provide that kind of information. They've, 
in, in the past in, in certain Freedom of Information Acts uh, when I filed it with Iowa to get information from the Big Ten, whether that's about revenues or, or uh, TV contracts or whatever, they've threatened. They've said, no, we're not going to do it. You go ahead and sue us if you want to. And so they will in this situation. They have uh, enough authority and clout, and I, don't, I guarantee the, the, the school presidents are not going to, to go along with this. So how much will they get? What will they get? I don't know. But I do, I do think what it does is it shed, li- it shed light that this whole process was not transparent. It was arrogant. And, with, and the more that the Big Ten continues to not be transparent, the more issues they're going to have. And they've never had these issues before. This has happened mm-hmm. in just the last couple of weeks. And so they better come through. I mean, again, you know, this is not the NFL. He is not Roger Goodell. I mean, this is Big Ten that's involved young people, athletes, students. They're not. They're not even professionals. They're not getting paid for their services. So you better come through. And Big Ten is not in any way, shape, or form. And they just continue to anger people along the way. You know what, Doc? I'm I'm starting to put two and two together here. It certainly seems Gary Barda and, and Bruce Harold are on the same page. What's the guy's name at uh, Nebraska Green? The the chancellor uh-huh. over there. Yep, so, so Green and, and Moose are on the same page. But it sounds as though there's some athletic directors in the Big Ten footprint that really don't know what their president or their chancellor is thinking as they go through this thing because somebody in the president's, one of the presidents or a couple of the president's voices are seemingly resonate louder uh, to uh, when it comes to these decisions. And it seems like there's some athletic directors that are completely in the dark as to what happened. Yeah, and that's, really unfortunate and really difficult. I mean, I think you look at, you know, which athletic directors carry the most sway uh, when they walk in the room. I mean, Gene Smith at or near the top of the list. Alvarez? And he didn't get it. Yeah, Alvarez does, of course, too. And uh, they, you know, now very immediately kind of conceded. Yep. And there isn't a much of an outrage from Wisconsin. A few players have spoken out, but not really the parents, certainly not at like at Iowa. But Gene Smith was furious with this decision, and you read his his response to to this, and uh, Kevin Warren's name was not mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I think that shows that he doesn't have – he may have the respect, but he doesn't have the uh, – they don't look up to him as some sort of moral authority right now. And that's a problem for any league, and certainly the Big Ten, which is, again, Jim Delaney, 30 years, never once had that issue, ever. And uh, now they're at a point where it, it's not about canceling football. That That's something that everybody thought was a 50-50 measure to begin with. It's about the method, what happened afterwards, the communication that happened before the cancellation, that it has everybody up in arms. And we're still not getting any kind of clarity on those details. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Doc, thank you. Uh, wish we wish we would. Hope we do. But not uh, not holding my breath. Appreciate it, Doc. Thanks so much, guys. Good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman, apologies for the phone connection. A little salty, a little difficult there from time to time. It seems like it's worse when he starts answering. Yeah, well, I don't know what that is. Cell well, phones. Can't yeah. do anything about it. Who has a landline anymore? Nobody. Right? Very few. Uh, we will take a time out. It's uh, what, a quarter before the hour of 11 o'clock. Mitch Holtis is standing by. We will head to Kansas City, get the latest on the Chiefs. They had 2,000 fans in attendance uh, for a practice. I think, were they the first NFL team? First one I've heard of that actually practiced in front of fans? Oh, really? I didn't see that. I think that, they yeah. were. Yeah. 
Uh, but anyways, we'll, we'll uh, find out more from Mitch Holtis when he joins us. Uh, after this timeout in the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to talk some baseball. Scott Miller, Bleacher Report. He's their national uh, Major League Baseball writer. Look forward to speaking with Scott. And then Pete Mundo from Heartland College Sports on the Big 12. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. Ten minutes before the hour eleven, right on time. Something happens to us, Trent Condon. Yeah, how about we're that? We're starting a week off on the right foot. Let's get Mitch Holtis. He's the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Papa John sponsors. Uh, Mitch, Trent, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, sir? Well, really good. It was a good weekend. We had fans in Arrowhead. We had a, a great practice on uh, Sunday and just completed practice today. This is the grind, man. This is. Uh, this has been six days in a row and five in pads. Wow. Uh, but I would say overall it's uh, generally a good feeling. And Saturday was, uh, I, you know, I was so curious how it would go. And overall, I think it went very well. That's outstanding. Yeah, uh, the 17 days away, right, I believe, from opening night. Mitch, I want to I touch on that, but I don't want to run out of, uh, of a clock here before I get this out. Uh, I think one of the bigger stories this weekend from the NFL was the 77 false positives. And can you imagine, Mitch Holtis, if this was Friday before game week, um, this would have completely thrown the, the week one into total havoc. Can't have that. No, it can't. And, you know, we trust we trust science. Right. Uh, and I trust science. And you so guys do I. too. Yep. But science is not an absolute. Never has been. And I know public scientists and folks in the medical community are listening, but if, if science was an end-all, be-all, hey, it's an all, it's a postulate, and this coronavirus would never have got into our borders and absolutely paralyzed us basically for five months. So this is where we have to even test science as much as we do anything else, and we have got to uh, challenge science as much as anything else. Um, and those in the medical community, in the testing community, it's a very difficult time, but we've got to get it right. I mean, you're right. You're dead on. Uh, prior to that report, on Saturday, I was in a discussion from social distance with people <laughs> who know that only five people in the NFL, over the span of when camps had started, some 20, almost 3,000 people, there were five positive tests. Five wow. in 3,000. Now, then this came out of the 77 false positives you're going well, this would completely dictate that week of action. Mm-hmm. Well, this has nothing to do with spreading the coronavirus. This has everything to do with the testing that we're using and the science that's involved. So it's a whole kind of ancillary discussion that's very important. It is. And, uh, boy, just the way Ugh. that reading reports from media people that were making their way in got into the parking lot. Nope, sorry, got turned away at the door, and there was a lot of those stories out there yesterday as the NFL was trying to figure out in the morning exactly what was happening here. It's the new reality. You have to be able to adjust, and you had your first opportunity to make some adjustments as you were up in the booth on Saturday. Take us through your day, Mitch, uh, how it went in your dry run through what a broadcast is going to look like or sound like. Well, I was limited. Yeah, well, it was limited because I, I wanted to see it externally first. I wanted to see what this looked like. I mean, the parking lot was totally uh, reconfigured. Mm. Uh, I had to enter a this, I mean, a maze of going through. I have an app that I have to uh, complete before then I get to the screening. And then the screening, they take your temperature and you go in. Now, I'm not in a Tier 1, 2, or 3 yet, 
so I'm not in the exhaustive testing. So I was limited to where I could go, Trent. But I was looking from afar as how all this is working. And then when I was, I tweeted out, home again, right? I was home uh, when I was up in the booth. But I was looking around the stadium. It was interesting. I mean, there's little pods of four people uh, that are within a section that that is their section. Like, they're not going to move from side to side or around the horn. But what was awesome was it seemed like, and there was Mike Florio put out that people weren't wearing masks, because I think generally people were getting a sip or taste and then keep not putting their masks back, whatever, right? But there were people like the Florios looking for, well, see, Miller's not wearing his mask. Mm -hmm. For the most part, it was a huge success, and it energized uh, everybody in the stadium. It was almost cathartic that people were wearing masks, following protocol. It wasn't at the leg not wearing masks, and you know, you're socially distanced. And the, the fact that you could pull this off. The state of Iowa is actually one of my heroes and heroines here because of what they pulled off mm-hmm. this summer with baseball and softball. They did it. Yep. And it wasn't a, there wasn't outbreaks. And so the Chiefs did this Saturday, and I haven't heard from an outbreak since then. So it was. I actually thought it was really refreshing, Trent, to see this much work go into it, but it seemed to pay off. Well, how did the quarterback look as the uh, 2,000 or so people got their first glimpse of the franchise and the face of the league on Saturday at Arrowhead Stadium? 2,000 people in a 74,000-seat stadium looked somewhat hmm. comical, right? But it was kind of loud. And particularly when they did the quarterback challenge, when they, they're working on special teams and the quarterbacks all go over and do their own Iowa State Fair competition. Of uh, you know, There's stuff out on Twitter that we put out and on Facebook. You can watch it. It's funny. But I'm telling you, Mahomes gets going. The team got going, being on the Arrowhead Stadium field, and there was this two-way energy, just like any game at Arrowhead. The fans feed off the players. The players feed off the fans. With, with having the fans there, I think it kind of gave you another energy. Just being being out there, the fans cheering, you getting to see them. I mean, the passion that they have in Chiefs Kingdom is unmatched. And so it was it was awesome to be out there and be a part of that. I mean, it, it really did get me get got me going. You can see me getting hyped up, and, and Chris Jones running out there hyping up the crowd and everything like that. And another part was, I mean, I think there's only two thousand people there, but it was loud, and I, I was I was I was pleasantly surprised by that. Here's the thing: even at sixteen, now they're going to be five thousand this weekend. The next step is next Saturday, and that will be 5,000 season ticket members permitted to enter and taking all the procedures from last week and going up a step. It'll also be the dropping of the banner. Like, it's going to be a real historic day. The Super Bowl 54 championship banner is going to be dropped. So just taking it up a little more. But here's what I did feel, you guys. 16,000 against the Texans won't feel like it's a, you know, in-between acts of a play. It's going to feel like a football game in that place. Uh, here, here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I feel like a pizza tonight, Mitch. Any ideas? <laughs> well, I know where we go. Papa John's, and they've been great in Iowa. The Donaldsons, and throughout the five months of this pandemic protocol, they've gone up and beyond. They're like the Chiefs. They go above and beyond in making sure everything is safe and good. Of course, their product's great. But I'm going to pivot here. We're going to start talking here in the uh, this week about what they do with JDRF mm-hmm. um, and Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. They're super involved in that, locked in. And, and it's not just selling pizza for them. It's helping the folks in the state of Iowa that need it the most. It's why I love the Donaldsons and their managers throughout the state. Mitch Holt is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mitch, we will speak with you at this time tomorrow. Thank you. Appreciate it as always. 
We'll talk to you tomorrow, guys. All right, take care. Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. 2,000 people in attendance, 5,000 yeah. are ratching it up to this weekend. I'll add that they're dropping the banner. Wouldn't you do that on opening night? That's what you would think. Maybe this is just a preliminary kind of run through, see yeah. how it's going to work, get a little something extra for the people that will normally be hanging out in St. Joe, <laughs> mm. taking days off of work and yeah, going down there. Throw and, them a bone a little yeah, bit. Yeah, at least give them a little something because it has been an off season like we've never seen before. What do you think secondary market's going to be like for tickets across the league? I think it's going to be huge. Yeah. I, I had a uh, argument with a buddy about this where he believes that there's going to be so many people that don't want to go that that secondary market, but with limited capacity. Right. Now, what are what parameters are going to be put in by the Chiefs by Iowa? As State? far as reselling your tickets, right? Is it going to be if we find that you've sold uh. these tickets? Dot dot dot. Still haven't heard anything on that front. Something to think about, though. All right, hour number two coming up. We're about uh, 15 after, somewhere around there. We'll talk to Scott Miller, Pete Mundo on the Big 12. Miller and Condon with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.